Good morning. Um, before we get into the message, maybe I can just, uh, we can uh, just take a moment um, to be silent before the Lord and, um, uh, and to offer our prayers to the Lord, um, to pray for yourself, just to be able to come earnestly before the Lord this morning, but also to keep in mind uh, the, the tragedies that took place um, across our country, um, the shootings in El Paso and, and, and Dayton, Ohio, and, um, and, and just the difficulties, Lord, that, uh, that we see, the difficulties we see in, in our communities, in our, in our nation. So um, just join me in a, in a moment of silence and prayer. Father, our hearts um, go out and they grieve, and, and Lord, we know that you grieve, Lord, for those um, who have been touched by uh, the tragedies this weekend and um, uh, the difficulties and the, um, just the uh, difficult things to understand, Lord, um, that, that have taken place uh, in our country and in other, that take place in other, in other parts of the world, Lord. Um, and I know that as well, Lord, there are people in our congregation hurting from uh, their own personal tragedies and difficulties, and um, I lift them up to you. We, we lift all of these things up to you. Lord, may it not shake our faith. Um, may it not um, um, make us to take a step back, but may we take a step forward, Lord, in seeking you and in trusting you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, um, you would speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you for our church and for our church family, for our visitors, for all that are here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked, we talked about um, several realities of the Christian faith. And, and these are realities of life in general. And we discussed realities of affliction, of persecution, and of spiritual warfare. And I want to ask you this, this, this question, um, how was your week? How did things go for you this week? If you think about it, did you experience any of these things? And if you, and if you did, um, you know, I pray that God will strengthen and encourage you this morning um, as we join together. If maybe you didn't, uh, you didn't feel touched by any, anything in particular or nothing was um, especially bad this week, I, I praise God for that um, and, and for your week. But you can bet that at some point you will. You will be touched by affliction by troubles, by persecution, by attacks of the enemy. And I think the question then is, how will you handle it? How will you handle these kind of difficulties and challenges and temptations? So as we continue in our study in 1 Thessalonians this morning, we'll see that this is the question. 
This is the question in chapter 3 that the Apostle Paul is asking the young church in Thessalonica. You'll recall that Paul, he started, he started this church, but he was torn away. Those are his words in Scripture. He was torn away from them after three short weeks. And that he longed to return to them. It was his heart's desire to see them again. But he was hindered by Satan. Then in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, When he could bear it no longer, when Paul couldn't take it anymore, he sent Timothy. He sent his co-worker in the ministry, Timothy, to see how they were doing. Now, if you've ever been separated uh, from someone you really cared about uh, for, a, for a period of time, uh, a spouse, a, uh, a friend, a significant other, a child, separated by distance, being apart, then you would understand how the Apostle Paul felt toward the Thessalonians. He longed for them, and we'll see that in his words. You know, when Renee and I started, uh, first started dating, so this is going back a little while, <laughs> a little ways, um, I couldn't go very long without wanting to talk to her. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> a day, half a day, uh, a few hours. Um, funny thing was, it didn't seem like she had that same longing for me. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever known that imbalance. <laughs> um, and uh, so like when we would talk on the phone, I would, I would try to play it cool. And I, I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk in a couple of days, right? Expecting her to say, no, 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 let's, let's talk tomorrow or something, you know. And she would say, okay, and hang up. <laughs> and... Uh, um, no, you know, no lingering, no stalling, <laughs> no, you say goodbye first, and none of that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, 30 years later, I'm convinced that she was using some kind of reverse psychology on me, you know, some kind of play hard to get. Um, so, unlike Renee, the Apostle Paul couldn't hide the fact that he missed the Thessalonian church, and he wanted to see them. He knew that they faced difficult circumstances, and they were facing opposition and persecution. And Paul wanted to know how they were doing. You know, they couldn't post online and say, hey, doing well, you know, I'm doing this, had, had this happen yesterday. They could not email, text, right? He was at a distance he was in Berea, then he was in Corinth. He, uh, I'm sorry, then he was in Athens. He, he didn't know, and he, he longed to know. And today's passage is Paul's reaction after he sends Timothy, and Timothy reports back to him. So let's look at our text this morning. This is our main text. Um, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. And it reads, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you 
because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Uh, Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray, Lord, that um, as J.R. prayed, Father, that this would be all about you and that you would speak um, through me. You would use me, Lord, but it would be your words that go out. It would be your words that are heard, your words that are thought through and held in our hearts. And only your words, Lord, and your guidance and your instruction and your wisdom and your love for us. So I pray that you would uh, bless this message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Apostle Paul, he was concerned. He was concerned that hard times, opposition, and Satan's tactics would shake the Thessalonians' faith. So he sends Timothy to them to strengthen and encourage them. And Timothy returns with a glowing report, this encouraging report that they're not only surviving, they're not only making do, they're doing well. This church is doing well. In verse 6, he brings good news about their faith and love, that in, that in spite of all the difficulties that they were facing, they are standing firm in the Lord. And this lifts Paul's spirits. Paul is overjoyed. And this is exactly what he hoped for, that they would find their legs, they would stand strong, and they would stand firm in the face of these difficulties. So I ask myself, and that's really the whole of the passage, but I ask myself, how did they do this? How did they do it? How were they able to stand strong and stand and not grow weak? How do we stand and not grow weak in the face of troubles, trials, tragedies that we know about, temptations that we face? I think Paul gives us a picture of how to do this in Colossians. And so while 1 Thessalonians is our, is our main text, um, we're going to look at Colossians mostly today. Colossians chapter 2. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I think these, these are good verses. These are great verses when we think about standing firm in the Lord. This picture that, that Paul paints here in Colossians is one of a tree. And it's, it's a tree. Um, you see it on your outline Um, I think I have a a slide of it. Um, It's this tree. 
firmly rooted so that it gets water and nutrients from the soil to grow strong and healthy. Its roots are typically hidden right, below ground level. Right? We know trees, we know big trees, strong trees, strong plants, healthy plants. Those roots are below ground, but they're absolutely essential. Without deep roots, the tree would not be strong. It would not be sturdy. It would fall over in a storm. It would wilt during a drought. You see, next to the tree, it says, the deeper these roots go, the higher the tree grows. And this is the picture. This is the picture I want you to uh, take from today. This is the picture of a growing believer who will not grow bigger and more mature if its roots do not penetrate deeper and deeper. Three things we see here in Colossians 2 which I think are important for us to deepen those roots and to stand strong. The first is to walk in Christ. If Christ Jesus is Lord of your life, you are to walk in him. This means to bind yourselves, bind yourselves to Christ, to live as Christ would have you live. From very early times, the Jews, when they used this word walk and walk around, they used the word walk to speak of the manner in which one conducted one's life. This is what it means to walk. The Old Testament says Enoch walked with the Lord. Noah walked with the Lord. They lived in a way where they bound themselves to the Lord and they walked according to his purposes. People can tell a lot about us by the way we walk. Uh, in college, I had a friend named Stuart who was from Hawaii. And when Stuart and I first met, he says, Hey, you from Hawaii? And I said, No, but my parents are. And he goes, Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I could tell by the way you walk. <laughs> he said, yeah, you walk like a Hawaii guy. <laughs> now, I, I, for those of you from Hawaii, is that true? Can you tell by <laughs> the way people walk? Um, I think it was the shorts and slippers that gave it away. <laughs> but I guess he could tell. Um, now here, Paul is talking about how we live our lives. Okay, not how we walk around, how we, what our gait looks like or how we strut. Um, how we live our lives, what's important to us, how we make decisions, how we treat others. Do those things reflect our life in Christ? If you have been united with Christ, then walk in his ways. Christ should be your identity. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's making Christ the center of your life. This is what it means to walk in Christ. 
The second is to root yourself in him. Root yourself. It may sound like I'm talking about the same thing. It's a little different. In order to grow spiritually mature, we must root ourselves in Christ. Not just accept him or tacitly or intellectually acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We must constantly deepen our relationship with him. In Mark chapter 4 and Matthew 13, many of you know the parable of the seeds and the soils. The seeds and the sower and the soils. Jesus talks about seed, which is the word of God, sown on four different kinds of soil. There's the hard path, the hard, the hard ground, the rocky places, the thorny ground, and the good soil. And the different soils represent people's response to the word of God and to the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, only the seed on good soil. Only that seed where roots take hold and go deep. Only they stand and survive. The others are either snatched away by Satan, scorched by trouble or persecution, or choked out by the temptations of the world. And that's exactly what it says if, if you know the parable. They're not strong enough to stand firm because they have no roots how do we root ourselves in Christ? Let me first say that, that God is gracious, and it is not all up to us. It is not us just making the effort. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, in every believer, to mold and to shape and to sanctify and to make us more like him. But there are things we can do to open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit. And there are things we can do to foster a stronger relationship with Christ. The first, spend time daily in prayer and reading the Bible. And not for an exercise, not for a spiritual exercise to do. Consider this a relational time with Jesus. Prayer, time in the Word, it is time to grow with the Lord. Second, regularly worship the Lord on Sundays, but at other times as well. Worship the Lord. I think you and I, I think our hearts desire to worship. That's, I think, sometimes when we come on Sundays and it feels so right because we are made to worship. We are created to worship God. Do this during the week. And third, be active in fellowship in the body of Christ. Do not isolate yourself from the church. Do not think it's okay to miss Sunday after Sunday. We are not made to journey alone. We are made to journey and walk with the Lord together. So in these three ways, I think these are ways, and they're not, there's probably nothing new there for you, but those are ways, those are foundational ways where we form and nourish our roots in Christ. In the parable of the seeds and the sower, we see that not only 
does the good, do the good soil people who develop roots, not only do they survive, but they flourish. The parable goes on to say that Jesus says that they bear fruit far beyond what's expected, 30, 60, 100-fold. So root yourself in him. The third, get established in the faith. Here in, first, here in Colossians 2.7, it says, get established in the faith just as you were taught. When we talk about maturing and growing as a Christian, we cannot in- ignore the importance of Scripture in our lives. This book in your hands, the book in the pew in front of you, is one of the most important things you have for growing in the Lord. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Colossian Christians, just like the Thessalonians, they were well taught by the Apostle Paul. But it was crucial for them to continue to learn and to grow and to understand the tenets of the faith, understand what they believed so as not to be deceived by false teaching. Coming to Christ was just the beginning. There's a runway for us to grow and to grow in the word and grow in faith. The next verse after Colossians 2.7, Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. We are to build up our faith. We are to grow in understanding. We are to understand what the Word of God says so that we know how to please God, we know how to live, we know how to stand strong, we know how to stand in confidence against false beliefs, false teaching, and false narratives. We should be students of the Word of God in order to grow in our faith, deepen our roots, and know what we believe. Over time, in our society and in our world, Satan has convinced many. Satan is the deceiver. He has convinced many that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And we see that all over. And that's not true. That's a false narrative. It runs counter both to what we read in Scripture and what we understand in our own lives. The beliefs and values that we draw from God's word are crucial to our well-being. It is crucial, they are crucial in many ways to our emotional health, psychological health, as well as our spiritual health. And I would say physical too. Because it's how God intended for us to live life. What he puts in this word, what he teaches us. It is 
what he wants for us in life. Put yourselves in places to learn God's word. I know some of you, you go to BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, you go to uh, Community Bible Study, you use a Bible study plan, and that's, that's awesome. That, those things are great, and I would encourage you to continue to do that. Um, here in our church, we want to emphasize discipleship. We want to emphasize understanding and growing in the Word and what it means and how it's relevant to our lives. Okay, I want to encourage you, if you're not in a growth group, to sign up for one when we start up again next month here in the fall. Um, be a student of the Word. But not just be a student of the Word that is a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of the Word. James talks about being a doer of the Word and not merely a hearer. So just these three things, simple, uh, straightforward, walk in Christ, root yourself in him, get established in the faith. These are ways that we stand strong. And what should be apparent is that the growth of our faith in Christ will depend on how deep our roots go. And that it's these roots that are not visible to others, formed by time and worship in scripture, in prayer, and in fellowship, which will determine how we handle affliction, persecution, and temptation. And so it's my prayer that, uh, that we will grab a hold of these things and we will do these things, um, not as individuals, but as a body, as a church family. We will do these things together. So um, let's prepare our hearts for the communion table now. Um, this, this morning, uh, Pastor Corey is on vacation, and so um, Pastor Yasu, the pastor of our Nichigo um, congregation, uh, will be helping administer communion with me. So I'll ask Pastor Yasu to come forward.